to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. You guys can have a seat. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 starting in verse 14. Um, if you do not have a Bible, even on your phone either, and, uh, or don't own a hardback Bible at all, or any kind of Bible, you can look at the chair in front of you. There's a hardback black ESV Bible, and that is our gift to you. We'd love for you to have that and read it and take it. And if you have no idea what a Corinthians is at all, what that even means, um, I said that in a funny way on purpose. You can look in the table of contents in the front and find that or find a friend near you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 is where we're going to start tonight. Um, I, I'm just curious. A lot of you guys have met my uh, wife, Caitlin, and obviously a lot of you know me. You've met my daughter, Eleanor. Would, would y'all be kind of like curious to know like how Caitlin and I met, maybe? Anybody? Well, sorry, we're not going to talk about it. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Okay, I'll, if I have to, if I have to, um, I'm married up, so it's a good story for me. I don't think she likes to talk about it. Um, so, one of the uh, earliest memories I have of Caitlin is actually a summer intern at our church who's supposed to be, you know, like discipling me to love Jesus more was actually kept trying to tell me you should, you should ask Caitlin Harrison out. Like, you know, rather than like meeting with me to go through Romans or something like that, he should be like, you, you should ask that Caitlin girl out. I, th- I think y'all would go really well together. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Um, his name was Sonny Birdwell. A shout out, Sonny. I don't think you are going to watch this or listen. Um, but I remember Sonny said something. He, he saw that we would be a good match. And from then on, I was, uh, I was smitten. If you, I don't even know how to define that, but I think you know what I mean. I was smitten. And um, what I decided, rather than like really taking a long amount of time to actually talk to her a lot in person, you know, I, I think I had the guts to talk to her in person one time on the way home from a mission trip with a youth group. Um, but we started dating in high school, by the way. Anyway, um, I just thought, you know what, homecoming's coming up. I, uh, I made varsity this year. It's a small town. I was, I was soft, sophomore. No big deal. No big deal. Played both ways. No big deal. No big deal. Just joking. Um, but I was like, it's maybe a good time. Maybe pretty impressive, you know, to just, she, she may be spitting to get asked, you know, out by like a varsity player to homecoming, whatever. And, you know, who knows? And so I just, uh, I call her up. I have to get her number somehow and I call her up and, um, uh, sounded like a babbling idiot for a few minutes and, you know, like asking about her day. And she's like, why would you ask about my day? We never talk much. And so I just asked her, hey, do you want to go to homecoming? And she said, yes, right? Score, right? This is awesome. Woo, let's go. All right. She said, yes. We went to, um, you know, we did the home, homecoming thing and all that. And, but here, let me rewind. I just asking her to go to homecoming wasn't enough. I asked several weeks out, right? It's planning it. And I thought, you know what? I could, I could just go ahead and ask her out. You know what I mean? Just go for it, you know? And in hindsight, I'm like, this puts her in a really bad position. If she says no, and I asked before homecoming, like, ooh, that makes homecoming awkward, right? Um, but anyway, so I just go for it. And I'm going to tell you guys, I don't, this pickup line doesn't apply because none of us are in high school anymore. But man, if you could go back, I think you'd want to use this one. You know, <laughs> I uh, go over to her house. It's a few days before homecoming, and I just kind of ease into it. And I, I say, you know, 
<laughs> so hard, so stupid. Um, <laughs> I can't even say it. Sorry. I say, um, you know, I've just, um, I've just always, you know, wanted someone in the stands watching me, you know, as I play, cheering me on, and I think that could be you. You know what I mean? And um, anyway, we're married and we have a kid. The end. All right, here we go. <laughs> and so. So dope. I can't even get it out. Um, but for some reason, it, it worked by God's grace. You, you, know what's, you know what's really funny about that? Like, <laughs> like now, I look back at that. I'm just like, oh, man. Like, God is so merciful. <laughs> like, God is so kind. You know? And um, I could just imagine if I found out that one of you guys did that and you asked me what I thought and... I'd open the second Corinthians 6.14 and let you know, but man, I, I just, I want y'all to know before we get in, I, I started so far away from an ideal view of dating. You, you know what I mean? Like I started so far away from maybe thinking about it in a way. Um, I, I She was attractive. She was a Christian. There is some chemistry there, and, and that was honestly about it in the beginning. And so as we dive in, I want you to know I'm, I'm coming from a place of, like, I get it. <laughs> I know we're at different points in our journey. My, my hope is that at the end of tonight, you might consider <clears throat> aligning yourselves a little bit more closely, if possible, with God's word for how you think about dating, <laughs> for how you think about how you're going to go into marriage. I think y'all could do that with me. That seemed fair. Seemed fair, but I want you to know that's where I started. So it can't be worse than that, right? It can't be worse than that. Um, but it's really beautiful how God used that. So I, what I want us to do, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 14. Tonight's lie is that God basically doesn't care who I date or Mary, right? We can put that lie up on the screen. Um, God wouldn't care if we dated a Christian or non-Christian. God doesn't care who I date. And so what we've been doing, what we're going to continue doing is open up and look at God's word and reveal how the, the truth of God's word confronts that lie. And we also know we don't want to be too serious, but just plainly anything that's not true, anything that's a lie, is from Satan, right? He's a, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. And so we definitely don't want to get that type of thing in our head. God does care very much about who we date and who we marry. And 2 Corinthians 6, 14 is going to help us with this. It says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That was an ancient Greek God. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Roman God, sorry. Uh, what agreement has the temple of God with the idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing that I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. In verse one in chapter seven, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so God does care very much about who we date. We're looking at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
put that slide up on the screen. I believe this is actually the truth is that God wants us to date and marry believers as Christians. Now, one thing I want to say before I get too far in is this verse is not um, anti um, non-Christians. Does that make sense? This isn't talking against people who are not believers or not in the faith. Really what it comes down to is verse uh, one in chapter seven. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. The idea is not so much about it's not like don't associate with the, these lowly people that are not Christians. That's not the heart of it. It is marriage should be held in such high esteem. Your, your, your holiness is at stake. The, the subtitle of your section right here, starting verse 14, might say the temple of the living God. We are called, you ever heard that statement? We're called temples of the Holy Spirit, temples of God. We are to live holy lives. And, and basically what it's, it's getting at in these verses are like, it, it just doesn't make sense to blend someone who's walking in the light with Jesus with someone who's walking in the darkness. Do y'all see the logic there? See how that's coming pretty, pretty clear out of the text? And so I don't want to dwell too long on that, but I mean, plain is God wants us to date and marry believers as, um, as Christians. You're like, why date? I'm so glad that you asked. Why? It's just marriage, but why do you say date? And here is why. We need to ask though, hold on, Cole, First, the question, what is dating? You think that's a fair question? What is dating? Thank goodness you're not going to depend only on my wisdom tonight. Ben Stewart, who wrote the book Single, Dating, and Gays Married, he defines dating as this. We got a clap out there. Thanks, Haley. So Haley has affirmed it, guys. So I expect all of you to read this by next week. Um, Dating is not a status to dwell in you want to go with me to homecoming? You know that. Anyway, sorry. Dating is not a status to dwell in, but a process to move through. It is a series of actions meant to lead us to a particular end, discerning whether or not we are meant to marry a particular person. Dating exists for evaluation. Now, here's what's amazing. This takes a lot of the pressure off of it. And so we know 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.14 makes it very clear, like, Here's a good filter. Are they a believer? <laughs> right? There, there's a, that filters a ton of things. And then as you date, here's the idea. It's a, it's a process. You're entering with somebody. When you think that, hey, if this would work out, I would be ready for marriage. It's a series of actions meant to lead us to a particular end, discerning whether or not we are meant to marry a particular person. Dating is just for evaluation. What that means is it takes more pressure off of you because it's also not saying that as soon as you have a biblical mindset towards dating, that that first person has to be your spouse. Like, sorry, that no chemistry, sorry, there they are. There's your one, right? That's not what it's saying. It's that you both have a healthy mindset coming into it and you're ready to go through that process. Are y'all tracking with that? That may be kind of a newer definition. And so... Girls, I don't think y'all need pickup lines, but, but guys, I got another one for you. All right, let's, I have the stool up here. Let's pretend, you know, you see a girl, maybe you see her, you know, gold stripe or something, you kind of lean up, you know. It's like, <laughs> hey girl, would you like to go through a series of actions meant to lead to a particular end? And I'm telling you, if she turns you down, like, that's on you, man. I'm sorry. But I, 
I got so many more that I want to bother Jesus Christmas. Anyway, you don't, you know why you felt that tension? Like one that was weird, like, Cole, don't ever do that again. Um, <laughs> this is that visual, bro. Just come on. You're out of high school, man. Um, but you, you don't talk about dating this way, do you? Right? That's not normal, right? You, you, maybe that intentional conversation doesn't happen. But I think Ben Stewart is onto something. And so that ends, you're trying to see if this will lead to this end result. What is the end result? Starts from, ends with marriage. <laughs> marriage, right? So the process he's talking about, what you should be doing if you're dating, is you should be dating in order to marry. And I'm like, some of you are like, dude, that, that sounds ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, if you want to throw the Bible over there, you could say it sounds ridiculous. But biblical wisdom would tell us that dating wasn't even a thing in that context. And maybe because my argument is that we were better off for it, right? But what we have now is we have this cultural and context that is so far removed from thinking anything biblically first that what we have is we just have this reality. And what we need to do as Christians is say, this is how a lot of things work. We would probably not want our parents to arrange any marriages for us. And so what we have to do is we have to navigate the wisdom that's available from Scripture, right? And from other people in order to, to walk wisely with dating. Y'all track with that this far? Yeah? Not? Y'all good? Y'all awake? Need another burger? Yeah, there's some more in the back if you need some. I won't be offended. So here's where this leads us. If that's true, and I believe it is, if I could just restate a few things, maybe in a different way. <clears throat> I think that maybe some of you are like, ah, I, like, I, I get it, but I just, the, the thrust of what you're talking about, maybe Maybe it makes sense, it's logical. If Jesus were sitting here with me and, and, and were to watch everyone I dated, I'd probably only date believers. But like, man, I, I, I don't know. Like, I've, I've been willing to kind of budge in some places. And if y'all are cool with it, I just, I just wanna fly through three more just quick reasons kind of from this text that I think are obvious. Why not to date or marry? And, and here's the first one. When, when believers date or marry unbelievers, we're, we're distorting God's definition of love. We're saying, Oh, oh, cool. Don't, don't be unequally yoked. Oh, your, your vision for marriage is only for two believers? Like, you know what I mean? Like, cool. Like, we're, we're saying, God, your definition is not good enough. Are there something wrong with your definition? Or God, it's 2022. Get with the times. You're telling the eternal God, get with the times, right? Like, he's like, hey, you got 70 years and then you're gone. I'm still going to be here, right? I've been here for a while. And, and so what we do is we take God's definition of love Maybe we don't mean to, and we distort it so it will make sure and fit what we think we should do. And that's always a bad plan, right? When what we plan to do is the exact opposite of what God says, bad, bad plan, bad idea, right? The second point that I would say, for you note takers, y'all are gonna love tonight, all right? For you know or not, I'm so sorry, I'll apologize, have another burger. Um, like, what's, what's up with the dude in the burgers? Um, point two is this uh, reason for, for when believers date or marry unbelievers, we're asking God to bless a relationship that he's already told us he won't bless. Right? <laughs> like, it's, it, it's so funny. It's like, I mean, and let's just pick on the burgers tonight. Like, if any of you were to pray, God bless this to our nourishment, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, that, it's not gonna happen tonight, right? <laughs> like, I just, let me tell you what's in that. You're like, oh man, I'm, 
don't, don't anyone worry about the burgers, okay? But like, sometimes you pray things that logically and clearly is like, no, it's not going to work. And God so clearly here is, is like, ding, ding, ding. Like, I'm already telling you, like, it's, it's not going to work. You're mixing light with darkness. I've already told you I'm not, I'm not going to bless that. My hand's not on it. I've removed my affirmation from it. They're not saved yet. They may be someday. Don't missionary date them, right? That, that's the temptation. Like, my goodness, hey, let's go out on campus. Let's go on a mission trip. Got two people. But all of a sudden, when we, we find an attractive unbeliever, we're all of a sudden so passionate about missions, right? Like, oh, I just believe I, I have so much love for the lost, right? Come on, guys. It's, it's called missionary dating. And we've all been tempted to do it. We've all been tempted to do it. God's already said, it's not going to bless the relationship. Number three, believers reveal that we are missing God's picture of marriage and family. You know, it's not, it's not just about, you see that, that language of yoked? That used to be used for, for oxen. Oxen would plow a field. You'd have a, a yoke that sat on top of them, one on each side. It'd be two oxen. The thing is, you didn't only need two oxen. You needed oxen that were equally yoked. If one was bigger than the other, if one moved faster than the other, if one had a, a bigger work ethic or was overworked the day before, they would be unequally yoked and they would drag the plow in, in, in like a, a, a left direction, a right direction, or whichever. They wouldn't be equally yoked. Y- y'all get that metaphor? And so with, with dating, it's not only, we don't just need another person, right? <laughs> That's how we even with oxen. It's not just another oxen. We need equally yoked. Same direction, same pace, same sort of energy, same sort of pursuit. And that's how it is with, with dating. Same sort of direction. Are you pursuing Jesus? Same sort of, of pace. Are you running after him hard, right? Like, it's, oh, don't put Christian on your Instagram, but like, I saw what you were doing Saturday. Like, no, no that's not. You're tracking with me. You want someone that's running after Christ. And you're like, wait, how does what have to do with missing God's big picture of marriage and family? I'm saying it's not only about marrying someone, right? Then there's the family. Right, every single one of us have a mama and daddy. We may not we may not know them right now or know where they're at. You know that every single one of us have a mama, mommy, and daddy. You know what God's plan is for the family? Not only that you would be believers, but that you would raise your kids to know Jesus. Amen. I know that seems so far away from you, and, and like for me, it felt a long way away. And there is this. Um, okay, if we go deep for a minute, is that all right? Y'all hanging on tight. Um, there's a friend of ours in, in China um, who is a little bit older than us. And, and here, I know there's pressure from parents to get married, but especially there, it's, it's insane. It's, it's, it's literally your identity as, as, as a woman is to get married to a wealthy man. That's kind of the predominant culture. And it was so hard because she, I really thought she was pursuing Jesus and following after him and against some counsel uh, she felt the pressure of her parents to marry this guy. Like, he didn't give a flip about Christ, and hopefully he will someday. Um, and all of a sudden, that's like, she, she, she didn't come to church anymore. Like, we, we lost her. Her name, her name was Joy, ironically. Um, we, ne- we never saw Joy again. And a few months later, like, she came back with, like, her husband. He still wasn't interested in Christ. And, and man, when I just think about the bigger picture for marriage and family, you know what broke my heart? how are they going to raise their kids? You know, are they going to raise them as a believer or an atheist? And that's not fair. Some of you have been in that situation. Maybe mom's a Catholic, 
dad's careless, or dad's, dad's, a, dad's a Protestant, mom's a whatever, you know what I mean? Or maybe both aren't, but, but grandma is. And like, you know that family dynamic? And then, then the kid's gonna have to choose. And like, I just thought like, man, I, I understood how hard it was to be single in that context. But like, the decision you made wasn't just to get married. Like, you basically, you basically created an, an, an entire generation of atheistic children from one decision. In China, there's, it's not, no, no way. <laughs> like, I know how that battle is gonna go. You need both parents in it on the same page to disciple that child because everything about them in that culture is gonna take them away from God. Y'all tracking? I think about that. And so bigger picture, they, I want you to zoom out. Guys, zoom out. Like, look in your context. Like, it's so much more than just trying to find somebody that claims Christ. It's like, man, are they someone that's gonna be a partner to like teach your kid about, about Jojo, Joseph, and, and the coat of many colors? You know what I'm talking about? Like, so we're teaching Nora. Like, are they, are they someone you envision doing that with, right? It's, it's such a more beautiful, fuller picture than just someone that you enjoy making out with, just to be frank, right? <laughs> I'm like, that's weird, bro. <laughs> but it's true. Okay. Y'all still with me? All right. I'm sitting down for a reason. I feel like I'm nicer when I sit down. They're like, yeah, you are a little bit. Common lies to all of that. Common lies that would be easy to believe that I've believed that Satan wants to use, even after all that, even after we talked about joy and my friend Joy and how clear it would be that, oh man, that's so true. That's tough. Check this out. Satan may tell you, but it's taking too long. It's taking too long. I've been waiting. Friends, it's, it's even worldly wisdom will tell you this. It, like Everything worth having, it takes waiting. It just does. Like, there's, there's not one thing I, I have, um, like, there's nothing that, that I have of, of actual value. Caitlin and I dated for almost six years, <laughs> three and a half of it long distance, and we're faithful, did not, did not cheat, we're honest through the whole time. It was, it was hard. Like, man, we're living three hours away. It, it was hard. Man, it was, it was worth it. And I don't know if y'all remember I taught this last year. Here, here's the reality. Um, no, that's for the next point. Anyway, we'll calm down. All right. The, ver, uh, point two, second lie. Satan will say, oh, like, but, 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 but you're lonely, like, right? I'm, I'm lonely. Dang. I, I could tell when I just said that, that hit home. Yeah. Yeah, you're lonely. But do you think, though, that your relationship with Christ should be a pretty significant remedy to that. I'm not saying that it means you're forever single, but if you're, you're cashing in, this person's gonna cure my loneliness, you set them up for something really unfun for however it, long, it lasts, right? Because you become very needy. And like, if they don't text back within 30 seconds, like, it's over, right? Like, don't allow a person to fix your loneliness. But no, here's the thing. And you're alone in this. Here's the encouragement. All that is, is just you've forgotten that the living God, as a Christian, the living God had, lives inside of you through his spirit. You are not alone. <laughs> you are not lonely. And if you'll read his word, what you'll see is that he's designed you and wired you in what we talked about last week, to live life with the body, right? With a church. 
He's not only married you to himself, but with a church. And I will say this from Matt Chandler. He said, your loneliness now is monumentally better than your loneliness in a bad marriage. Your loneliness now is monumentally better than your loneliness in a bad marriage. So it's, it's not taking too long. It's okay to be lonely, but let's lean into the reality of who you are as a Christian and who you have around you. Third, he's like, but this person's going to make me happy, right? This is going to make me happy once again. I would just ask to challenge you if, you, if that resonates with you, in a current relationship or past, you know that you depended on them for your happiness. Like, you know that didn't go well, right? Like, you know that. Like, if they're in a bad mood, you're in a bad mood, right? Like, if they're not doing well, if they're not on their A game, right, with their, their romantic A game, if they're not sending all the, the hearts and the, the kissy faces in the text that day, right? Like, man, like, do we still love each other? Like, what's going on, right? Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's hard to believe, but, but joy is found in who you are in Jesus, friends. Joy is found in who you are in Jesus. Number four, the fourth slide, uh, Satan may say, this, this person's gonna make me a better version of myself. Any of y'all listen to JP, Becoming Something podcast? Have any of y'all listened to his that just came out like today or yesterday? The new episode, y'all gotta check this out. This is so cool. So listen to this. You know the, the phrase better half? Have y'all heard that before? Like, I'm looking for my better half. This is, y'all are like gonna hate this after this, but just listen, this is crazy. In, in Plato's The Symposium, uh, this is like Greek mythology, humans were originally created with four arms, four legs, and a head with two faces. So, and in the myth, right, Zeus, fearing the power of these human beings, split these human beings into two, into two separate parts, condemning them to spend their lives in search of their other halves. Is that not crazy? Where the term looking for your other half came from was a myth, fake, and right, if it's not true, it's a lie, and where do lies come from? Ding, ding, ding. Anybody? Yeah, what is Satan? It's Jeopardy. Okay, all right. <laughs> the whole idea that you have another half was rooted in a myth, literally. The best thing that could ever happen to you has already happened if you're a believer. You know that? Your soul is saved from eternity apart from God and sealed with an eternity with your creator. You know that? The best version of yourself is, is you right now if you're in Christ. And he's just going to make you better. Like, isn't that cool? Like, I get some excitement. You're like, I know it's hard to, to, to settle in with that reality, but this is a good thing. This means you don't have to look for the better, best version of yourself anymore. You have it. It's right here. Like the search is over, right? The search is over. It's in Christ. Like, bro, you're sitting down. You're still talking loud, man. All right. The fifth lie is I'm going to be alone forever. Be alone forever. Here's how it goes, guys. This is the worst of it. This is the worst case scenario. You die alone in your bed. You got 10 cats, they're all laying around you, and you got a pint of Ben and Jerry's just sitting there melting, you know? Cops show up, and they're like, this is just sad. Hey, call on the rookie, call on the rookie to take this one, man, I'm not doing this one, right? That's the worst thing that happened. You die with your cats, yeah, Jeremy's laughing in the back. He maybe had a case like that. We'll talk to him about it later. He's like, yeah, I did. Okay, man, that was real. That would have hit home, all right? 
here's the reality. The reality. Worst case scenario. I think most of us, man, most of us are going to be single forever. Okay? Worst case scenario is what I already said. When you become a believer, the greater reality, you've been married to Christ. I'm not saying Christ is, is your husband and wife. I'm not saying it like that. And you've been also married to a body of church believers, okay? You're not going to die lonely. And the worst case scenario is if for some reason you die and you're never, never married, is you're just a little bit more like Jesus than the other people, right? Jesus didn't marry. <laughs> I'm just joking. You're not more like Jesus because of that. But it's a perspective, isn't it? And a couple homeboys came up to Jesus trying to trick him, right? Hey, Jesus, this, this woman's had like seven husbands. Like, who's going to be her husband in heaven? They know they got him because like she wasn't supposed to get divorced. And, but what do you do with all these other guys? And they, it was kind of like guiding moments, right? And they just knew they had him. And Jesus said, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. You're neither married nor given a marriage in heaven. You know why? Because marriage was never about that man or that woman. Ultimately, marriage is about being a picture of Jesus, the bridegroom, and his church, the bride. Amen? That's what it was about. Worst case scenario, you just don't get an earthly second-class version of what marriage is ultimately and truly, truly, truly about, which is Christ and his bride, the church. Amen? But earthly marriage is still beautiful and amazing not to take away from that one bit. You know, takers, y'all still with me? I'm packing a lot. What I would be asking if I were you is call, I need, I need some practical, typical call, biblical, all right, whatever. Like, uh, give me something I can take and do right now, all right? I got you. Three practical approaches to dating while following Jesus because we need to do this. I don't want it to be this kind of, oh, like kind of heady, like I think I know what to do, like I think I get it. Here you go, man. This is, this is me like reading, listening, learning, talking to people this past week about dating. People have done college ministry, talking to Brandon Hayes, our, our venue pastor. Here's some helpful things. And this is number one. Stop looking for the one and start looking for someone who is pursuing the one you were created for. Right? Stop looking for the one and start looking for someone who is pursuing the one you were created for. You know how you know you found the one? When you get married, that, that's, that's the ideal, God's ideal picture, right? He wants us. There's redemption for divorce. There's redemption for separation. Statistics say that over 50% of us in this room are children of divorce. I'm one of them, right? So I'm not going there. But God's ideal design and flourishing, like if you want to live as biblically as possible and say, God, what is your standard? What, what does it look like for you, Lord? What do you want? To be married once. Your one is the person you marry. Number two is this, look for the four C's. Look for the four C's. Are they cute? I'm just joking. <laughs> You're like, all right, I can get down with this. This brother's speaking my language now. Um, are they cuddly? Okay, I'll stop. Um, this is stupid. <laughs> I promise. You. Okay, anyway, look for the four C's. Character. Man, I, like, I'm not saying they got to be Abraham Lincoln. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, whatever that means. I, that was in my notes, so just take that. <laughs> I'm not saying they got to be perfect. I'm not saying you, the moment you see the sinful part of them, you're like, I'm out, bad character. No, I'm just saying, like, can you see in them overall that, that God is working in them? Like, can you see 
when you look at them, is there, is there are several characteristics that you're like, I, that, looks, that looks a lot like Jesus. If not, yeah. <laughs> the second is compliment. Do you compliment one another? You don't have to be everything the same. I, I wouldn't encourage literally having everything different, but opposites often attract. I think Caitlin and I are opposites um, in, in many ways, but man, we compliment each other. She's so like gracious and kind. I'm gruff around the edges, and we just like, she just makes people think I'm nice sometimes, you know? It's just so helpful uh, to be around so many other things, but it's a compliment. Do they, the things that you know about yourself that maybe need a little bit of growth, do they seem to like, wow, like they're really good at that, and we can maybe partner and team really well together. That the third is this companion. I'm just, like, this is friendship, all right? Here's a, here's a good test. Actually, some, some journey guys that are telling me about this, a great idea. So this is kind of the idea. Go a week, no kissing, no holding hands, no making out, no hugging. You basically, for guys, you wouldn't do anything with her that you wouldn't do with, like, your guy friends. That pretty much takes out, yeah, you got it, all right? Girls, same thing, think about it. Don't do that for a week, but only just be friends. And at the end of that week, are you, are, you, are you just like miserable and thinking like, when do we get to make out again, right? Like, are you, do, are you feeling that way? Or are you like, I genuinely enjoyed spending time with you, right? Like, you're, you're a friend. Like, sure, like I, I, I see, like, love has those forms. Nothing, I did not just bash holding hands, all that stuff, okay? You know what I mean? We can talk about boundaries another time. We actually need to do that. We'll do that next week. But do you enjoy being around? The, the, and the last one of the C's is chemistry. Chemistry. What I want to do is I'm going to ask the, the band to come up as we're, we're closing out tonight. Third one I want to look at, uh, the three practical approaches, is looking for someone running at the same pace. Looking for someone running at the same pace. This is threefold. The positive is, here's my hope for you. Here's my hope, is that you find someone that is pursuing Jesus. That's what I mean by running, running the race of faith that is, seems to be doing that in the same way you are. And, and for a lifetime, you are gonna be great together. There's not gonna be this huge gap. My friend Sean in college, he was a huge runner, um, super tall, super, super skinny, super fast. And uh, yeah, okay, I'm not. And so we, we like ran a 5K and man, I started out so good. And by the end of it, guys, I couldn't even see him. He was that far in front of me. I couldn't even find him. Uh, finished like five minutes after him. Why was that? Well, he's going at a different pace than I am. And the trouble is, friends, is that when we're running at different paces, we always end up in different places, all right? When we're running at different paces, we always end up in different places. And where, the, where, the, where I want you to apply that is, again, the hope is that that's not true, but when that is true, when you are at different paces, here's what it looks like. <laughs> Let's say you're dating someone that you know and they're not pursuing Jesus like you. And, and, and you're so on, on fire for the Lord. You're, you're so like, Lord, take me wherever you want. That you honestly are like, Lord, I, 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 I'm so serious about this. I go serve overseas right now. Like I'm that, I'm that radically devoted to you. If you're, if you're that, do not, please, friends, do not put someone else in a position to be the person that got in between you and your creator. Do not allow someone to get in between you and radical obedience to Jesus. All right? 
And the same for that other person. Maybe you got to be honest. Man, they're running. They, they're for real. Like, I, man, I, I'm growing, but like, I know where they're headed. And if I'm just real with myself, right now in this season, I probably, I'm holding them back. <laughs> and that's a hard thing to swallow. Girls, don't, don't stand between him and the Lord. Guys, don't stand between her and the Lord. Maybe in a later season, you can come back and do that. We close the big picture. Three incredible blessings I want to share to you tonight from someone kind of on the other side. It's kind of funny. Like I think my life is so like lame and like boring, honestly. Like like so many of you, like what you want right now, you want to get married and do the kid thing, do the house thing. Like some of you have that, and, and I'm living it right now. God has been good and He's blessed us. Not everything's perfect, but I have three incredible blessings of being married to someone who loves and pursues Jesus. I want to share with you guys that kind of put in front of you. Again, not perfect. The first one is this. We're unified in purpose. We're unified in purpose. We know our purpose is to glorify Jesus. And if we say or do anything in alignment with that, we are cheering each other on. If we say anything out of whack from that, we know we need to call each other higher and apologize and reconcile and move forward. And guess what? We know our purpose as parents is to introduce that little girl to Jesus. That's the big picture, guys. That's the big picture. We're unified in purpose. Number two, we're synchronized in pace. We're unified in purpose. We're synchronized in pace. It's not like my friend Sean. Caitlin's not way out in front of me. I'm like, running in different paces, going to end in different places. No. God has taken us similar places, pursuing Jesus. Is there room for more radical obedience? Absolutely. But it's been any, anywhere from Allen, Texas and DFW to, to Lubbock, Texas, to, to, to China, to, to like all these different places that God has done because we're synchronized in pace and we're on the same page. And the last one is this, and I want you to cling to this. We have a knot that will not be untied. We have a knot that will not be untied. We've found the one, right? Because God has told us, she's married to one. One male married to one female. And we found that. And God tied that knot. It is not, let not us undo what God has put together. Amen. That's the blessing, friend. All these things you can't say confidently. If you take 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and say, eh, but, but, but. If you take it and you say, this is hard. (laughs) This isn't exactly what I wanted to hear, but this is how God designed it. And he's creator and designer. And I am just a part of his design and how I best flourish is by living according to his design and obeying his word. I'm going to be all right. And I'm going to trust that. All these things that we talked about tonight are true. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Sharing this time with me. I'm going to pray for us. Amen. take a minute
And there is no shame whatsoever in this room. My goodness, have I blown it. Every point I preach tonight, I have failed at one point in my life to do. I've learned these lessons hard. There is no shame in here. If you felt like what we talked about from God's not just wrecked your life, you're like, oh, what did I do now? There's no shame in that. But what I want you to wrestle with and what I want you to just see, God, is like, God, what, where is, I, I see this chasm between how I've been thinking about dating and where you are. And I want you to feel it. Like, I know it's gonna be hard. Like, I just would ask you if you'd surrender your hearts to that tonight and just be willing to say that to God and say, God, one step at a time, I would like to bring my life into alignment with, with your vision for love and, and, and for marriage and what this whole thing is about. And know that he loves when we do that. He loves when we ask for help. He loves when we bring him into the life and don't keep him out on the edge. He wants to be smack dab in the middle of your mess and your struggles and past mistakes and show you how good he is. So with that being said, I wanna give you a few moments. Think through, man, what are some areas we talked about tonight that I need to bring to the Lord? and let him just do a great work of grace and mercy in my life. The band's gonna give you about two or three minutes to do that. And then we'll respond and worship to God. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.